Thank you to both of the witnesses. The chair will now recognize the members for five minutes of question, questioning, uh, beginning with me. Uh, Mr. Newland, I am, would like to visit with you about HR 1240. And the question is, is, has the department had any communication with the Army Corps of Engineers about this land being returned to the Winnebago tribe? And are you aware of the Army Corps position on this bill? Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. I have not spoken uh, myself directly with anyone from the Corps about this legislation. So right now you don't know what their position is? I, I have not heard anything to the contrary uh, from our position, but no, I'm not, I haven't confirmed that. Okay. Um, with regard to 1722, would the gaming prohibition language included in H.R. 1722 prevent the Grand Ronde tribe from being able to conduct gaming on land received in any further land sediment, settlement or on land purchased from proceeds of a land settlement? Uh, yes. Um, and then in terms of 1722, my understanding is that it clarifies that Grand Ronde would only have extinguished their land claims for the 84 acres of land, which is referred to as the Thompson Strip. Is the current language that extinguishes all Grand Ronde land claims unique to them, or does that language exist in other Indian laws reestablishing reservations or federal recognition? In other words, are there any other federally recognized tribes prevented from filing land claims against the United States? Thank you, Madam Chair. There are a number of, of uh, statutes uh, that have extinguished uh, tribal land claims with finality in other places. Um, I don't, uh, I can't speak to how many of them use the same type of language or, or are uh, address tribes similarly situated to Grand Ron. Um, I'll stop there. Okay, thank you for that. Um, Ms. Egoran, uh, outside of the IHS, does the department or its agencies ever consult or confer, confer or communicate with urban Indian organizations on HHS's ability to deliver, deliver health care to American Indians and Alaska Natives? Thank you for that question. Yes, the other divisions at HHS do consult and, and work with UIOs as they would with other grantees including CMS's requirement that for state planning amendments, waivers, and other um, modifications to state Medicaid programs, the conversations with UIOs and tribal members occur. Um, how can all of the HHS improve its communication with urban Indian organizations, even without a required confer policy? How could, how could we improve that type of communication? HHS looks forward to improving communication with tribal members, but currently works through IHS in a coordination role to make sure that we are looking across silos that often happen across divisions and have a holistic view. There's also regular um, interactions and communication and training that does occur for grantees across our divisions. Do you, do you have other ideas of, of changes that could be made in that regard to improve the communication and the ability to provide services to our urban Indian organizations? We are always looking for ways to improve access and to prove, improve communication. Um, and we look forward to working with, with Congress for policy changes. Our teams across divisions continue to look for ways to make 
access for information about grants and about resources um, more accessible, whether that's improving access to grant trainings, whether that's information on our website or in terms of other consultation. The, the, fi the final paragraph of your written statement, you said, we look forward to continuing our work with Congress on this bill and welcome the opportunity to provide technical assistance as requested by the committee or its members. Are you aware of any changes that you would like to see to this bill? Is, or are you just simply stating that you are interested in helping us to make sure we can move this bill forward? The Office of the Assistant Secretary of Legislation looks forward to working with Congress to make sure that the policy intent of the committee and of members is fulfilled in the, lang the legislative language. Okay. So working with you. All right. With that, I will recognize the ranking member, Ms. Ledger Fernandez, for her five minutes of questions. Thank you so much, uh, Madam Chair, and thank you for the testimony this morning. I'll, I think I'll continue to have the conversation with the Assistant Secretary, uh, you know, the Honorable Melanie Agorin. Um, your testimony, both uh, written and today, talked about the many ways in which uh, there has been uh, best practices, there's been policy, it's improved over time in terms of discussions of inclusion, of conferring. Um, and I think that the impetus of the bill comes from a sense that, well, there may be good best practices that we want to make sure that those best practices actually become statutorily required so that there isn't any slippage back uh, as we move from one administration to the next, which we will do, right? That is the nature of democracy, is, is electing uh, new uh, uh, you know, incoming presidents who, who might have different ideas, but that we create a little a good anchor for these conversations. And I think it came out of as well uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic where HHS did not include uh, the urban uh, Indian organizations in those initial discussions on vaccine distribution, which led to a delay. Uh, can you, do you have a sense of what the vaccine rollout delays was compared to the vaccine, vaccine distribution for tribal communities? Thank you for that question. And um, the pandemic provided a host of opportunities, both within tribal communities, but across our nation to think about how we are delivering healthcare services and how we were making decisions around access. Um, and while there was some initial confusion about vaccine allocations, it was determined that UIOs could access both tribal and state allocations. With respect to your specific question on the time delays, I do not have that data in front of me, but I'm happy to get back to you in writing. Okay, thank you. And, and could you uh, maybe opine on whether you think HR 630 would improve as we look at future, future vaccine distributions or responses to future pandemics, we really want to take what happened in these horrible two years of suffering through this pandemic and not just forget about them, but learn for them. And so how, uh, what are your thoughts on how 630, HR 630 could assist with that? I think the taking lessons learned and building on them are important. I think having a centering um, function at IHS to look across silos to make sure that we are pulling all of the resources with a unique lens to the tribal communities, both urban and on tribal lands, is important. 
but there are always places for improvement, and it's we look forward to working with Congress if the intent is to sort of create a more permanent structure of tribal of conferring with Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that almost answer. Assistant <laughs> um, uh, Secretary uh, Newland, uh, you know, so many of the lands that we're considering today, uh, I mean, so many of the bills that we're considering today are about land acquisition. And sometimes I have heard uh, from some of our colleagues that these small land acquisitions are not that important. Uh, can you tell us why land acquisitions are important to tribes uh, and, and, you know, what they represent? Sure. Uh, thank you, Congresswoman. The, the connection between Native people and, and, and our homelands is, is really at the core of identity uh, for so many indigenous people. Um, and, so it, and it's also the core of the trust relationship between the United States and Indian tribes. And, um, you know, we have administrative authorities at the Department of the Interior that Congress has uh, empowered us to use to place land in the trust. Uh, but legislation that addresses uh, lands like, like the Wounded Knee uh, legislation, for example, um, I think it's important because it, it, it represents not only the Department of the Interior's act to solidify that connection and, and to uh, demonstrate respect. But when Congress acts with the executive branch um, to uh, take those types of steps, it really represents the commitment of the United States, um, both in recognition and respect of that cultural connection as well as the trust responsibility. Thank you, and I think, for example, the Grand Ronde is an example of where in your testimony you said you know, it wasn't a wholehearted we support this bill, but this is an adequate and would indeed be a very definitive statement about the desire to move uh, to move those provisions into law. Thank you very much for your testimony. Madam Chair, I yield back. Uh, wonderful. Thank you. The Chair now recognizes Mr. Grijalva for five minutes for questions. Thank you very much, Madam Chair. Um, Secretary um, Bigorin, um, the legislation uh, referencing uh, conferring with uh, the UIOs uh, that would apply to department-wide to HHS, uh, not just to uh, Indian Health Services, uh, a, a department-wide confer policy would, looking at and to improving health healthcare policies and priorities dealing with uh, what you mentioned, uh, the health disparity issues, the needs. Uh, response times, resource allocation, uh, codifying uh, into law. Uh, would that, uh, how would that going beyond just IHS being the conferring uh, agency des designated to do that for the department, how would it affect the whole department in terms of a department-wide uh, codified requirement. Thank you for the question, Congressman, and for your sponsorship of this legislation. The IHS um, conferring with UIOs as established currently really highlights and strengthens our commitments to timely action 
increasing transparency for regular reporting and improving the best practices. And these are some of the improvements that have been made under Director So's leadership. In terms of access to current services, and I would like to highlight that even without the confer policy, HRSA, SAMHSA, CMS, and CDC have all made significant investments in UIOs. Being able to make sure there's a department-wide policy with under, and as currently is structured with IHS serving as the coordinating function allows both the conferring with, as a, within to the department, but also making sure that there are not individual silos of conferring happening. And, and I appreciate the, the comments about working with the chair and the ranking member and their staffs, respective staffs, to deal with uh, looking at the legislation and potentially your recommendations regarding its effectiveness and how it can be more effective. Uh, but going back to the point that you had made about uh, best practices, if, if IHS is the only division to confer with UIOs, how can, how can the department ensure uh, that it's accounting for urban health, uh, urban Indian health in, in any policy provo uh, decisions that are made department-wise uh, without, without the, the, the requirement of codified legislation that says you must do this? And I, and I mentioned that because times change, administration change, initiatives change, leadership changes. Uh, in, in working on this legislation, it was pro about a, providing security, a permanency, in terms of that responsibility of, of conferring. Uh, so how can you ensure if it's not required? Many of the policies and procedures that are in place by the other divisions require consultation, conversation, and coordination with grantees such as UIOs. So while it is, so those actions already occur when, for example, HRSA provides support for the 24 UIOs that are duly funded. Okay. Thank you. Um, Secretary Newland, thank you for being here again. Uh, today's agenda includes several bills related to land in Indian country. Uh, the Biden administration has previously testified before this committee in support of returning traditional and sacred sites to tribes. Can you speak to how the department has worked with tribes in restoring these lands, identifying these lands, and responding to uh, those urgencies that are coming from Indian country relative to those two issues? Sure, thank you, Congressman, for the question. Uh, we have, uh, both uh, on the processing of land and the trust applications been, um, I think, in increasing our efficiency, not to where people want, but we've, we've been able to approve trust acquisitions, as well as co-management agreements, and then yep. also through our, our proposed uh, regulations specifying that uh, protection of cultural resources and, and uh, uh, those lands is a, is a purpose for putting land in the trust and making sure that's explicitly included in that process. And Chaco Canyon and the withdrawal would be an example of that in terms of protecting that sacred site that is sacred to not only the Pueblos, but Indian country across the nation? Yes. Thank you. Yield back, and thank you very much, Madam Chair. Thank you. 
The uh, chair now recognizes Ms. Hoyle for five minutes for questions. No questions? All right, thank you. The chair now recognizes Chairman Westerman for five minutes of questions. Thank you, Chair Chairman Hageman, and thank you to the witnesses for being here today. Very important issue, and uh, I'm glad that we could have this, this hearing. Um, Assistant Secretary Newland, uh, HR 2461 creates a new reservation within the boundaries of the Navajo Nation for the San Juan Southern Paiute Tribe. The Hopi Reservation is also located in the boundaries of the Navajo Reservation. So in your analysis, does the 2000 treaty signed by both the Navajo Nation and the San Juan Southern Paiute Tribe fully address the challenges of having a reservation within, a reser within the boundaries of another reservation? Thank you, uh, Chairman, for, uh, for that question. Uh, if I could take maybe just a moment to, to uh, kind of get to the answer. Uh, as it relates to the tribes, uh, we think that the treaty negotiated between the two sovereign nations uh, reflects their uh, best interests and their own assessment of that. Um, and they would know better than, than me or they would know better than the Bureau of Indian Affairs about um, what, what will work for their relationship. And so in, as we exercise our trust responsibility, we always want to um, defer as much as the Allah allows us to uh, tribes when they make those determinations. Um, and so uh, it presents challenges, uh, to be sure. I come from a small land-based tribe, so I have no experience uh, in, in my own life or previous work about how to address these issues. But in, in this job, uh, you know, the, the department has a lot of experience working with tribes that have overlapping jurisdiction. So has the department provided technical um, expertise on uh, HR 2461 I, uh, and assistance to the tribes? I don't, uh, uh, Congressman, I don't believe on, on this iteration of this bill that we have, and I, I certainly want to offer ourselves up to do that. That was my next question. Can you commit to doing that? Absolutely. I yeah, appreciate that. Uh, let's move on to HR 3371. In your estimation, are there any potential issues that are not covered by the legislation or the covenant between the Cheyenne River Sioux and the Oglala Sioux tribes? I don't believe so. Um, what further information could you provide? And I think this maybe gets to Ranking Member Grijalva's question to uh, to make this the best legislation possible? Um, we have provided technical assistance on, uh, on this legislation, Congressman, with respect to the, the Wounded Knee site and believe that it accomplishes the goals of, uh, of the sponsor and the tribes. So 3371 also places land in restricted fee status for both tribes in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. Do you see more tribes seeking to place land in restricted fee? Uh, we've heard from a number of tribes that, um, who are at, who've expressed interest in holding land in restricted fee status, and that's a recognized form of land tenure in Indian country. Thank you. I'll move on. Uh, Assistant Secretary Igorin, I've got a, a question for you. In your testimony, you stated that HHS supports the current UIO confer process in place of the IHS, are there specific concerns that HHS has about expanding the confer requirements beyond IHS? 
Thank you for that question, Congressman. There, the current tribal consultation process is based on a nation-to-nation -nation understanding. The confer process and I, is about working with UIOs on healthcare issues that are specific um, and increasing access and improving services. In terms of expanding beyond that, we want to make sure that all grantees have access to information and support they need and that that work continues with a level of expertise and not being siloed within various divisions. So is your testimony saying that HHS partially supports the legislation or does not support the legislation or supports the legislation? HHS looks forward to working with Congress on the policy intents and to make sure that it meets the intent of this committee and the larger body. Um, we did, have not taken a position on the legislation as of yet. So you, you're yet to take a position on it. Um, okay, well, I'm almost out of time, but I know I've traveled a lot around the country and met with a lot of, of tribes, and IHS is usually one of the first topics of discussion that comes up in my meetings. So this is very important. Chairman, thank you, and I yield back. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And the chair now recognizes Mr. Crane for five minutes of questions. Thank you, Madam Chairwoman. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, for allowing me to be here today. Um, Assistant Secretary Newland, uh, does BIA support HR 2461, the Southern, the San Juan Southern Paiute Tribal Homelands Act? Thank you, Congressman. Um, we support uh, the intent of this legislation, and before we can commit to clear support of the bill, I just want to make sure that we understand the implications, uh, you know, for for the bureau and our administration. Secretary Newland, have you met with uh, President Lehigh before? I uh, thank you, Congressman. I had the pleasure of meeting President Lehigh uh, just before this hearing, and I would be happy to meet with him further to discuss this legislation. Um, Secretary Newland, are you aware of the historic treaty between the Navajo Nation and the San Juan Southern Paiute that originated in 2000? Uh, yes, Congressman, I've, I've, I've read it myself. Okay, thank you so much. I look forward to following up with you on this issue. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Mr. Crane, for being with us today. Ms. Whale, Mr. Grijalva. I want to thank the witnesses for your valuable testimony and the members for their questions. And I want to reiterate one thing that I did discuss with Ms. Uh, with the Assistant Secretary yesterday, and that is that we must do a better job of providing health care to our tribal members in this country. And I encourage the Indian Health Services to take their, their uh, responsibilities very, very seriously. We've got to do better. Um, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate the commitment that you made to me yesterday in that regard. It's extremely important for everybody in this room. Uh, the members of the committee may have some additional questions for the witnesses, and we will ask you to respond to these in, in writing. And with this panel, with this, the first panel is now dismissed. Thank you for being here. I am now going to begin the introductions of our witnesses for our second panel. 
the Honorable Victoria Kitchian, Chairwoman, Winnebago Tribe of Nebraska, Winnebago, Nebraska. The Honorable Alfred Bud Lane III, Vice Chairman, Confederated Tribes of Siletz Indians, Siletz, Oregon. The Honorable Johnny Lehigh, Jr., President, San Juan Southern Paiute Tribe, Tuba City, Arizona. The Honorable Michael Langley, Tribal Council Secretary, Confederated Tribes of the Grand Ronde, Grand Ronde, Oregon. The Honorable Ryman LeBeau, Chairman, Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, Eagle Butte, South Dakota. The Honorable Frank Starr comes out, President, Ogallala Sioux Tribe, Pine Ridge, South Dakota. And Mrs. Frances Crevier, CEO, National Council of Urban Indian Health, Washington, D.C. Pardon me. And I, I would invite all of you to come up to the table. But that's a good thing because we're covering a lot of bills today. <laughs> I want to well, personally welcome all of you to Washington, D.C. and to the Subcommittee on Indian and Insular Affairs. We are covering some very important bills today. We appreciate your time, the effort that you've made to come here, and uh, your willingness to testify on these important matters. Let me remind the witnesses that under committee rules, you must limit your oral statements to five minutes, but your entire statement will appear in the hearing record. To begin your testimony, please press the talk button on the microphone. We use timing lights, and when you begin, the light will turn green. When you have one minute left, the light will turn yellow, and at the end of five minutes, the light will turn red, and I will ask you to please complete your statement. I will also allow all witnesses on the panel to testify before there is member questioning. The chair now recognizes Chairwoman Victoria Kitchian for five minutes.